Hi everyone, welcome back to season five of the podcast. And in this season, we're going to be talking about sex and all the education and stories and things that we should and shouldn't be doing and should and shouldn't be talking about when it comes to sex. And today in the studio, I have Kirsty. She is a lover of sex education, but a qualified embodied practitioner. So thank you so much for your time and being here. And welcome to Kirsty. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to um, be talking about it for people to be open to be talking about it, mm. for um, people with influence opening up their platforms to a subject that is taboo and needs to be untabooed. And um, yeah, I just feel like there are so many people looking for questions, so many women looking for the answers and don't have any way to go and no one is normalizing it so super keen that's why we're here (laughs) exactly so today we are going to be talking about kind of the introduction into the series and what you can expect and um, then we're gonna follow it up with a few questions that Kirsty received on her personal page okay on to you Kirsty let's introduce the season from your perspective (laughs) so um I am not in any way a qualified medical practitioner or psychologist or anything too qualified and out there with um, needing a lot of academia training. I'm just really on a mission to make sure that everyone feels that they can talk about it and there is somewhere that someone is really looking for putting out correct information and also information that's unbiased and not shameful and all of those great words to describe what I'm trying to do. And I hosted a sex supper club the other night and I just put it out there to see what everyone was keen to do, people in my city, women in my city. And we had about 25 people really keen and people came and it was the most incredible experience. And it just confirmed more to me how necessary this is, how people are in long-distance relationships, in long-term relationships, in short-term relationships, doing things they don't want to do, having sex that's unpleasurable, having sex that's painful, having abortions that are illegal or not like safe. Not safe. Yeah. And it could all just be finished and we wouldn't have to be doing this if we had compre- comprehensive sex education at schools and parents were also having the sex comprehensive sex education because... The way they were taught sex is kind of the problem of what we are dealing with now because the way they're teaching their children or the lack of teaching and the lack of conversations that they're having is kind of what's landed us here. Um, And starting with a disclaimer before I start because I really do try my best to make sure everyone feels included and um, that my language is inclusive. So when I refer to women, I'm not referring to the woman with an X. Um, in the name. I don't think that is an inclusive term and the reason for that is because I've been looking at a lot of articles and reading and I read one about um, by students of linguistics or actually a a master's and professional um, professor in linguistics and they were saying that how when we do that and um, we refer to people who don't have vulvas as women but using the x and we do things like that we're actually gatekeeping the word woman, that only cis, white, heteronormative, heterosexual women are women and get the A. And um, so when I refer to women, I'm talking about people who would like to be referred to as women, 
people who identify as women and people who in this world have currently um, grown up with the gender norms of being a woman around them, um, subjected to them, whether that's because they've chosen to identify as a woman or if their whole life they've been chosen, um, they were a woman, maybe from the minute they were born and they had female genitalia. So that is what I'll be referring to. If I want to specify, I'll be saying vulva owners or non-vulva owners um, because I think that's the way to be inclusive around it and to really honour people's sexuality and their however they are identifying. And then also I wanted to say if anything that I say or we speak about makes your skin crawl, makes you feel super uncomfortable, make you go like no ways, um, just notice that that is a belief that has been ingrained in you, that you have um, throughout your life been told to believe or to feel a certain way about a topic and feel a certain way about words and sexual encounters and things like that, sexual acts. So just notice that, have an open mind and make sure that we're working on that feeling to make sure that we feel less of that. So when someone else enjoys the thing that makes our skin crawl, we can still treat them with dignity and as as they are a sexual being as much as we are. And they're in a safe place. And you're in a safe place listening to this today. Um, So we just, yeah, Kirsty, you've beautifully summed that up. Yeah, so I think it is super important, especially as women, we have never been given a space to speak about sex openly without judgment and without shame. So um, if you're listening to this with other people and you want to pause it and listen to it later, then go for it. Um, I am going to be saying the big words like <laughs> sex and anal and yeah. cum and ejaculation and all of those things because those are the things we need to normalize. Because if we don't give people language, um, and this is especially true with, um, I don't know, I'll just digress and say with parents and this is why I would really love to speak and I think comprehensive sex education also needs to be done for parents is because we're teaching people to name their vaginas and vulvas cookies and these weird these weird terms <laughs> and we're not giving language you know yeah. and that's what everyone I, I grew up with that so many people grew up with it with their boobs being called something else with their penises being called something else and then when things like um, sexual harassment happen and a little child is trying to explain and they don't have proper language for it like these things go unnoticed. And also when we are telling children to call something that is non-shameful, that is just your anatomy, and we're asking them to change the name, it adds shame and it adds years of shame and not being able to speak about your genitalia with the correct language. Like, how is anyone supposed to be empowered when they're saying, like, whatever the hell they're saying about their... Their cookie. Yes. (laughs) And digressing again, it is a vulva and not a vagina. Yes. Which is actually something I only learned last year. Yeah. I'm 30. I turned 31 this year. And I was still calling a, a vagina. No, I went up to my mom and her mates having coffee. And I was like, what do you guys call your genitalia? And they were like, <laughs> And I was like, like, anatomically, what do you call your genitalia? My mom was like, vagina. I was like, no, it's not. It's a vulva. And for anyone listening, vulva is the external genitalia and the vagina is only the vaginal canal, which is the interior. So um, so again, like how is anyone supposed to be empowered when we're calling our own parts completely different wrong names and not yeah. even understanding? And then, you know, take that into sex and um, pleasuring or in a partnered sex. How are you supposed to communicate clearly when your partner doesn't know what your anatomy looks like, doesn't know what your anatomy is called? 
how you're supposed to direct them to what you like when you say clitoris and they're like, what? Yeah, but that's, that's just hope that all partners are aware of the clitoris. Yeah. No. But if not, that's why exactly. we're here and, to talk um, to you today. What I also really encourage people to do when talking about sex or starting to talk about sex within their friendship groups is nothing is obvious. That's nothing very is like, true, yeah. duh. There really is. Like, you, that's, that's not the point of, um, that's completely opposite to creating a space where everyone feels safe to ask. And if you keep saying, um, like, duh, it's the vulva, I'm not saying that to anyone. Like, it's not obvious because in biology, we weren't, I've never heard the word vulva. Maybe it was a tiny little label. But even when my biology teachers referred to a diagram, we'd be talking about the vagina. Um, but fair enough, there was a diagram of the vagina, which is the internal canal, but no one's linking the two. And I actually had um, one of my guy mates in, in my uni class come up to me and said, apparently um, girls have three holes. And like a lot of people, I think, would have been like, what do you mean, of course we have three holes? But that's not going to make that person feel safe. Yeah. And to laugh or to be or to be dismissive and be like, of course there is. Like, go look it up. Like, that's not going to help anyone. And um, and I sat him down and I was like, yeah, we do have three holes. Um, and he didn't do bio at school. So how else would you know that? Exactly. Because we don't have sex ed in. So maybe, I mean, I will ask as him so what would the three holes be if for someone who's maybe yeah. not so if you don't know that um females female genitalia when i say females in that sense i mean um the sex of a human not the gender so if i'm being correct and throughout this whole thing i'm open to being correct as long as um it's not a cancel culture which i don't follow mm. um so i don't i'm not speaking here with fear of naming something incorrectly because i hope that everyone's on board with like being progressive and having conversations and things like that but from what i know and i try to keep my understanding as as um, up to date as possible is that you are born with genitalia you can also be intersex which means you have genitalia that is of one sex but also has characteristics of the other um so there are intersex people so we're not just talking about female and male but male genitalia that would mean you have the sex of a male mm-hmm. which you don't choose and then you can choose whatever gender you'd like to identify with if of course you'd like to identi- identify in the spectrum of gender otherwise we have people who are non-binary and believe that there is they don't want to be in the spectrum they they are somewhere on the spectrum one day, depending on how they feel, depending on how they want to express themselves. So if you have female genitalia, which means you have a vulva and a vagina, we have three holes, which is the urethra, which we wee out of, mm-hmm. um, urinate. Then we have the vaginal canal, which is where menstrual blood comes out of because it comes from the cervix and from the womb. Then we have the anus, which males also have. And then, um, so in summary, we comes out of the urethra, which is above the vaginal canal, which is where a penis or sex toy or tampon will be inserted, where menstrual blood flows, um, where penetration occurs, or else penetration can occur in the anus, or that's where feces comes out of. So those are the three holes. If you didn't do bio, yeah, or if you did and you just need a little refresh. Okay, so now that we have round up what you can expect in the season, um, we're going to move into the topic for today, which is uh, just talking about a few misconceptions around, um, around sex. And the first one 
Yeah, so with mm. most misconceptions that I have come across, well, firstly, when you when you are open about talking about sex, and people know you're open about talking about sex, it is crazy how many people want to ask you questions. And I think that's fantastic, even though for maybe 20% of the questions that come in, I really can't help you. I think you do need to go to your gynae, you do need to whatever. But we shouldn't have to feel like the only people we can talk to are sex educators. The only people yeah. we can talk to are sex therapists. A lot of these people are outdated with research. I'm not saying that all of um, psychologists or sex therapists are, but I think for a lot of people, maybe you're 17, you don't really want to go to an older woman, an older man um, that you don't feel comfortable with. So when I said that, you know, I've been open about sex for maybe like three years now, I've even had my mom's friends come up to me and ask me sex questions. I get DMs all the time, and I think it's fantastic. And it just shows that when you are open about it, like, you know, it just it just takes one person to break the ice. Yeah. To I to mean, start. that's how I found you. Um, Lexi and Dom shared your profile, and all I could think of was, why is no one else talking about this? Yeah. And then I bought. Um, Come as you are. Come as you are. And I'm only two chapters in. And I messaged Kirsty and I was like, that's it. We need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk. And we also need to share it. Yes. And that's why we're here today. Yeah, exactly. So with most of the misconceptions that people will talk to me about or we end up talking about, a lot of the reason for this is because we live in a world where our sex education has been prim- primarily based around male biology and the research has been around male biology. And um, a lot of it now, we have people researching the clitoris. We have people researching female pleasure and all of these things, which is fantastic. But a lot of the misconceptions are because we are thinking with male as default. So I'm going to sound like a broken record saying that lots of these things are male as default. That's why this misconception came up. And we can talk about what orgasms look like, what orgasms sound like, how quickly you're supposed to orgasm, how you're supposed to orgasm, and um, sex drive, a ton of things that we only believe we are broken because we are looking at these things and being taught these things in a world that is putting males first and male sexuality first or male sexuality as correct and male sexuality as the default, as the common, as the one that is... um, in the middle, which is, is not. They are completely two different things. Do you feel like... So you say that there's a male default, but I feel like that could go so grey when... Which we'll get into eventually when we have things that start and stop that, like, sex response. Like, what if you're a male, but the way that you have like sexual experiences is more to like a feminine side yeah so like, even even that like that I mean, must even be patriarchy in yeah. general like men are also feeling like they don't conform because there is a male as default but then that's also like it's not even the most common male as default it's the more like superior or more yeah. um wanted way of having a sexuality or having any part of life that's the patriarchy is putting one type of man above every other type of man and this type of man is a certain height a certain weight orgasms in a certain way has a certain sex drive and all of these things so i mean 100 there are men or people who um, identify as men or penis owners that feel like they don't even fit 
because there is only one type of male as default. It's not, you know, the most, not majority of males that even look like this default that we are all looking at. It's just the one that someone made up a long time ago. Yeah. And haven't Updated. It. Yeah, <laughs> literally. So, um, yeah, they definitely are, there are definitely people in that um, spectrum of male that also don't conform and don't feel like they have a place in their sexuality at all yet. Yeah, that's quite sad. That's all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm going to start with the first misconception of what sex looks like and okay. how sex is, should be enjoyed. Because I feel like a lot of women that come to me or conversations I have, women say that they don't orgasm from penetrative sex. can't even say that word. Um, <laughs> so that's a tongue twister. Penetration. Penetration, um, yeah. They don't orgasm from penetration. They don't come from um, penetration. And, I mean, like, same. So, and that is... Yeah, same. That is majority. That is majority of people. And, again, we think that we should orgasm from penetration because males orgasm from penetration. And also movies. Yes, movies. Wow, those also really need update. Yes, no. The media has a huge role in um, all the beliefs that we hold. And I think that whenever, like I said, whenever your skin crawls or whenever something makes you uncomfortable... Mm. Where did that message come from? Whose yeah. message? Whose beliefs are that? Is that your parents' generation? Is that the media? Is it the like the morals, the religious, you know, views that you hold? Is that what's making you feel that way? When have we ever been able to decide for ourselves how we feel about our sexuality? We, yeah. we have not yet, um, and we can't because we aren't fully educated. So how can we make informed decisions when we don't have any information around what we are trying to decide on? So, um, if or you even communicate, like you said in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, if you don't even have the right terminology, how can you yeah. understand? Well, you can understand, I guess, but not yeah, communicate. The language, if no one has, there's no universal language. Yeah. Or no one's using the correct universal language, how are we going to get anywhere? So, um, if you have a vagina and a vulva and you feel that you cannot orgasm from penetration, you are, and hear me loud and clear. <laughs> You are in the majority of women, yeah. of vulva owners. You are in the majority. You are normal. There's nothing wrong with you. As long as it is not painful, go ahead with penetration. Just don't expect orgasm from it. Um, if you are orgasming with penetration, fantastic. Love that for you. Yeah. But, Thank you. <laughs> but if you are not, and um, that is fine. You are not in the male as default, and that's what you've been brought up with. And... If you want to change that up and you want to orgasm during partner sex and if your partner has a penis and you have a vulva, then um, clitoral stimulation is the way to go. Yeah. External stimulation is how majority of females of vulva owners are going to orgasm. So you're normal, 100%. Male as default is why you believe that way. And I love that you said you are normal because that's kind of... I know that's obviously your words here, but from the book I'm reading, it's like the first chapter. She's like, anything that you think about your vulva or your sexual self, life, activities, it's normal. Yeah. Like everything you're experiencing in this topic is normal. Yeah. And which it's I weird love. Because there is no normal and in that sense makes everyone else normal. Yeah. So if it's not painful... Yes. It's not painful to you. You're probably doing it right, but there are ways to like enhance and make it more pleasurable for you. Exactly. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So then the next thing is orgasms. Yeah. 
I want to. to <laughs> I want to talk about um, misconceptions around orgasm. So we're just talking about how sex looks like in the media, in porn, in anything that was available to you. It was probably missionary, you know, the position we learned, um, and it probably involved only a penis owner and a vulva owner, which is not how sex has to look. It's not how sex looks. You can sex can be solo by yourself, that's still referred to as sex, sex can be, have multiple partners, sex can be with a penis owner and a penis owner, or with a vulva owner and a vulva owner, and that is still valid sex. And then a huge misconception around what sex is, is sex only happens if there is penetration and if there is orgasm. And both are incorrect and outdated and need to change because A, they're not inclusive, yeah. and then B, that just adds so much pressure to us as whoever is partaking in the sexual act, as to how our sex lives need to look, which is not cool. And the reason I want to talk a lot about orgasm is we need to be moving away from orgasm as the goal of yeah. sex and saying that sex is only valid if you orgasm um, and moving it towards pleasure and having pleasure as the goal, you know, because then I mean there's no, no intimacy, whether it's with exactly. yourself or with said partner. Yes. So... Pleasure, intimacy, these need to be, these are more attainable goals and these are like correct goals because orgasm, firstly, if you are only partaking in penetration, I'm not going to try that word again, (laughs) penetration, then you're most likely not going to orgasm. Majority of the time, if you are in the majority of women, of vulva owners, you're not going to orgasm from that. And maybe you are, so continue. But if you aren't... (laughs) Then, love that for you continue <laughs> then um then your partner is gonna feel like they aren't pleasuring you because they've also yeah. they've also attached to this idea that if you don't orgasm you're not enjoying it which is bullshit because mm. all you need to know that your partner's in- enjoying it is to communicate like i know we have this idea of like finishing and being done with sex and that's because we've had an orgasm and that means we're done and that means you know, sex was at its fullest and it was at the most pleasurable, which is also yeah, incorrect. And, and mission complete. Mission complete. <laughs> so we need to... That's so incorrect because now women are feeling less, women are feeling pressured, and people are faking orgasms. And on the, the other side, men or people who identify as the other partner might feel like they are not good enough. They, or, or they're being lied to. Or they're, yeah, and they're going to continue... They, they see your body language, they think that's how you orgasm, and then they're going to continue to do that. When we just need to say to your partner, and I know I can't just mm. say, just say to your partner, because it's huge. It's a huge conversation. It's yeah. a huge thing to say that you don't enjoy it this way, that way it doesn't actually make you orgasm. I'm sorry I was actually faking for a year. Like, those things are huge. These are really big conversations that need to be had for your sake, because once you do it, I mean all the pleasure in the world is yours. Um, yeah. So with the misconception about having an orgasm, moving back to pleasure, it means that we don't get pressured. Our partners don't feel pressured to make us orgasm. We can verbally communicate if we're enjoying something and verbally communicate if we enjoyed having sex with our partner and when we are done. Also, you can be finished before you have had an orgasm. And I think that's also like a really gray area at the moment that people are continuing on mm-hmm. because they feel like, they have to go to their orgasm. And maybe you're not enjoying that. Maybe you're never going to orgasm from that position. But because you don't have the communication to change it up, to say you're not enjoying it, the only way out is, is to fake an orgasm. Yeah. So 
there's there's huge so when you say finish are you referring to like okay now I feel like I've been intimate with my partner I know I'm not gonna climax so that was wonderful whatever that was that's the finish yeah I'm not talking about so um, I might interchange them but when I say um people are feeling like they can only be done with sex is when they've had yes yeah when they have come when they have finished in terms of um slang that we use so that's not true as well. You can stop having sex at any time. Your consent can change at any time. Consent mm. at the beginning does not mean consensual throughout. And I think that's also a huge thing we can talk about is how consensual is the sex you're having right now? Like, sure, you say yes in the beginning, but is every moment of that sexual encounter consensual? Like, mm. are you really enjoying it that much that you'd say yes again to it? Or would you rather prefer to be in a different position? Would you rather prefer to add more lube? Like... How consensual is the whole experience of our sex lives at the moment? And I know for a lot of us and the people I speak to, yeah, there are some positions that are more for the partner. As long as you're you know, changing it up and every now and then you want to be um, of service to your partner and be giving pleasure rather than receiving pleasure, then that's great. But if, it's not, if that's not the case and you're just like in it because like you, you, know, you want to make him feel good, but at the same time it's not comfortable, it's not enjoyable, like you can say no to that. But we're yeah. not also asking at every stage. No one's, well, a lot of our partners aren't saying, is this okay? Is this okay? All the yeah. time. And I mean, sure, if you're talking about like BDSM, which is highly consensual, but if we're talking about, um, you know, you want to be the naughty one, you want to be the um, submissive and stuff like that, even then there should be consent with body language, um, with, you know, however you decide to have communicating that in that in that yeah. way of having sex. Um but yeah, that's just also one of the ways, one of the things we need to think about right now is how consensual is the whole experience, experience oh, of your sex yeah. right now. That's yeah. a very good question. Yeah. And a very good, like, maybe that's something to do while you listen, is write it down and maybe think about, like, are you having it? Is there a way for you to communicate that? Is there a way that you and your partner communicate with, like, I don't know, like words or, like, squeezing? Yeah. Like, maybe there's, like... A hand grab that they know that that's like yeah. the boundary, like end of day. I don't know. It's just I know that every relationship's different. Um, every person is different. I just think that that's a really really good thing to maybe sit, even if that's like the only takeaway from this podcast, yeah. to sit and like, yeah, see what is the way that you and your partner yeah. decide and agree to communicate about yeah. sex. Maybe it's not. Maybe it kills the mood that every time you want to change positions, your partner's like, is this okay with you? Are you 100% okay yeah, with yeah, yeah. But also consent means that the whole time throughout, you feel like you can change your mind. And if you're not feeling like you can change your mind or you can say no, then your consent was not given You know, fully knowing what you're going to do. Also, because when we give consent in the beginning, there's no ways in us knowing where it's going to go, how yeah. it's going to end up. Especially in a new partner. Yeah, exactly. So you can consent in the beginning and then, you know, all of a sudden you're in cargill and you hate it. So, I mean, you should be able to feel that you can say, no, I want to change this up. Yeah. You can say that without killing the mood. You know, it's like, I would prefer to do this and you continue to do that or change it up, add lube, change positions. Um, but yeah, just everyone needs to feel that they feel safe yeah. to always change and not feel pressured to stay in a position to stay having sex even if they haven't orgasmed yet, you can you can say you're done. Yeah. Love that. Love, love, love that. And another misconception that I'm very passionate about speaking about and 
unlearning and relearning and asking other people to do the same is that sex drive doesn't really exist. Um, at least how we have been learned and how um, we have been educated, that sex drive does not exist. And I think when we get told that, a whole lot of people have a huge weight lifted off their shoulders because mm. they feel like they were stuck with something for so long. They, you know, deemed as the lower sex drive or a low sex drive person and they thought that that was the end for them. And it's not. And I guess maybe that's why we do, why people did say sex drive was what it was. Um, because it was just once off easy to explain and then people were kind of stuck with it. There was no like way to change your sex drive, um, especially with like women or vulva owners. There's no pink Viagra, like nothing works. Yeah. So um, whereas with penis owners, they could just get a, you know, just get just get a libido um, intensifier or something from some weird adult shop. And, you know, maybe you'll get hard and get an erection. But also that doesn't even um it's not really the sex drive. Yeah, it's not relative to how, how much you want sex just because yeah. you get hard. Which, I mean... That's a whole nother conversation, exactly. actually. Non-concordance. <laughs> Non-concordance is a whole nother, whole nother thing to ensure you feel normal. and As well as debunking sex drive, which we will do. Next week, we will be talking about sex drive, what it really is, what it really entails, and ensuring that you feel normal as well as going into non-concordance, again, ensuring you feel normal in the way that your body reacts to certain sexual stimulus and um, how you feel about your sexuality. Amazing. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in to season five. We will see you next week for episode two. Bye.